Welcome, welcome to the Shopway Show. So happy to have you with me this evening. Yes, it is 7 p.m. on the East Coast, and today I am only on the Sharpway pages. That's all. If you went to Larry Sharp pages, there's nothing there. You got to come to Sharpway. Yes, I'm trying to get you all to do me that small favor. Like, comment, and subscribe to, of course, follow all the Sharpway pages in case they decide to shadow ban me or just erase me, whatever the case may be. So thank you all for coming this evening. I really do appreciate you. Give me a little bit of your evening. The thing I want to bring up this evening to kind of get us going more, you know, as I usually do, um, is what someone asked me to talk about, which is an episode of Breaking Points. And the idea... Of, of that it was actually, I think it was today it came out. I was talking also about the the housing bubble, how it's actually you know working, uh, what's happening in the housing market, and all those types of things. I wanted to bring it up the, the this idea. It was a someone actually uh, reached out to me and said, "Hey, why don't uh, you do this?" So I said, "Why not? Let me try it. I did it today. I've talked about this in the past. Some of you may have remembered I brought this up. I talk about the idea of whenever there is any type of economic problem or issue, whenever there's any downturn, huge downturn, that's when the wealthy begin to buy up all the assets. It happened in the the crash for uh, the the dot-com crash in 2000. It happened in the real estate crash in 2009. And now it's happening now in 2020, 2021. Same idea, but every 10 years or so, there's some crash and the wealthy start buying up all the assets. And that creates a wealth gap, right? That creates a wealth gap more than anything else, more than, you know, Democrat Republican policies are nowhere near as bad as this thing that happens. And lots of reasons for that. Let me cover a little bit uh, of this, if I could. Hold on. In this case, this is, uh, I'll show you a bit and we'll discuss it as they go through it. We're looking at, there's actually a lot of interesting going on with this. Oh, yeah. We've been covering now for quite mm-hmm. a while about Tell me how long. the wild housing market. Mm-hmm. I did a radar back when we were at Rising about. It isn't that wild. It is the same as it always does. So it isn't that wild. Article pointing out that now if you sell your home, very likely that permanent capital is going to be the buyer. They're coming in with all cash. They're outbidding uh, first time attempted home buyers. So let me explain what that means for those of you who aren't sure. Permanent money, right, or permanent capital means large, larger organizations, entities that are put together that have lots of money. These are organizations like hedge funds, um, like private equity firms, sometimes just a, a, an organization that put, an entity is put together so that wealthy people can put all their money together. It could be a sovereign fund. So those of you who don't know what a sovereign fund is, a sovereign fund, if you have a country, generally speaking, that's not a democracy. It's not a 100% rule, but generally speaking, it's not a democracy, um, or that at least has more authoritarian views to it, it will often have a fund. So imagine all of our tax dollars or revenue that the United States made, that it made its own fund, right? So it'd be America fund, right? And then that fund would go out and act and try to make money and pay it back and make more money for the nation. That's called a sovereign fund. Norway has one. Um, Saudi Arabia has one. Singapore has one. Many countries have sovereign funds. But so that's permanent capital. That money's not going away. That's what she means. It's not like me or you going to buy a house. These organizations have lots of money. And the reasons why they make money is because they have so much money. That's basically what she means by permanent capital. 
profile this couple that's like trying and trying to buy a house. It's in some, I mean, it's in like Allentown, Pennsylvania, or something. not a major, major metro area, but this had come to, to small mm-hmm. towns. And they had this stat in here about how one fifth mm-hmm. of the buyers mm-hmm. of single family homes are now permanent capital, private equity. So imagine this, imagine you, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go buy a new house. So you decide you want to go buy a new house. Good for you. You find the nice, nice house you want. And to her point, it doesn't have to be New York City. She's talking like Allentown, Pennsylvania, or a, a regular town or or city that you want to go to. You go there. There is a one in five chance that whoever's competing against you is going to be some type of hedge fund private equity firm. You might say, well, Larry, it doesn't matter. That's the free market, right? Look, they compete. I compete. Yeah. I mean, in theory, that's true. But you know what you're doing? You're hoping that your mortgage is approved and you get your, your you go to your bank and all that kind of stuff. They're writing a check right there. So say your house for sake of argument costs $200,000, right? You say, yes, I'll get a mortgage. I have whatever, 20, 20% or whatever is the amount of money you require. I'll get a mortgage right now. Here comes guy from Capital says, I'll write you a check today. Just write your check. In fact, what do you want, 200000 I'll give you two twenty. Today, I write a check right now. Who's it out to? Like, that's how they come in. Now, obviously, they're not actually saying, they're not actually coming with a check, but their concept is, I'll write the check now. How do you compete with that? But not just that. They have tons of money. Tons of money. So they literally can purchase four, five, six houses. Ten houses. A hundred houses. In certain cases, several hundred houses. How can you compete with that? You can't. You might say, well, wait a minute, Larry. So I'll buy another house. Yeah, you're right. If this is a one, a one, you know, in a thousand times it happened, that's true. But what happens when like every other house is being bid on by this? It raises the value of the house. So now the bubble goes up. Now, here's the problem with that. In a bubble, right? Now, all of a sudden, you have to spend so much money for your house and then you go underwater. When did that happen? Oh, 10 years ago. Happening again. And guess who's the culprit? The same people. In particular. And there was a tweet about this, this article that's been out for a while and specifically focused on BlackRock that just mm-hmm. went wildly Mega viral. BlackRock is a very good bad guy, right? It is, right? BlackRock sounds bad, big money, hedge fund, whatever. And yeah, they're doing it, but so are tons of others. BlackRock is a good target. It makes sense, makes for good, you know, TV and such and 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 for good for good stories. But it isn't just BlackRock on the Internet. So that's the first layer of the story. Then we'll get to some of the like right wing reaction to it. That's also interesting. But it was just it was fascinating to see how this story that's been Mm -hmm. out there bubbling under the surface for a while. I talked about this literally years ago, years ago. This is a thing. This has been happening forever. And it isn't always just BlackRock. Right. Literally, what they'll do is they'll make another company like they'll make a company. It's called. I don't know, Bob's holding company. And then BlackRock will put whatever, a, a, you know, $10 million in it. And then three or four other billionaires will put $100 million into it or whatever. And then maybe some BlackRock executive will run it. So it's not BlackRock. It's Bob's private equity company. But it's the same thing. 
completely exploded on the internet because people are experiencing this in their own yes. lives and in their own neighborhoods. I mean, yeah, listen, if you're trying to sell a house, people are coming Good in for you. Good for you. cash offers, yeah. yep. et cetera. That's, that's great deal for you. But for a long time, we were being sold this narrative that the reason housing prices were going up is mm -hmm. because the professional managerial class right. were making different choices and they were buying up homes, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that is part of it too, right? The The people who have decided to leave the cities, that is true, right? So I don't want to act like that's not, you know, that's not the that's that's not happening. That is, there are a lot of people who used to live in big cities who now are saying, "Why should I?" Right? I'm a manager. I've been working from home these last almost this last year. I've been just as effective. I don't want to go back to the city. I don't have to live near the city or in the city anymore. So I'm going to go buy a house someplace outside of that city so I can work from there. I would rather have a nice area someplace else. I'll go work there instead. So that part is true, but that's a small chunk of it. That's not a big chunk of it. That's a small chunk. No, come to find out, this is a bubble that yes. permanent capital is inflating and then also profiting off of in a bid to basically become America's landlord. And that is. And there's the issue that people don't understand. Why in the world would I, as a large organization, want to buy a series of houses? I don't want to do that. Very important reason steady income. What do banks and other people love more than anything? Steady income. Man, they love that. If they can get their monthly dollars, oh, so good. One of the reasons why people love that, and this is, this is an entire industry, buying and selling debt. That's a thing. Buying and selling debt is a thing. One of the major reasons for the 2009 crash, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons for the 2009 crash was everybody bundling and buying and selling debt to include mortgages. Yeah. Hmm. Are we going to do that now? Yes. It's a terrifying state of affairs. No, it is. Yes. And this is what I want to very just lay it out for people. Tell me what out. What is Tell happening me. here is mm -hmm. not free market capitalism. Because what's uh, happening it? here is you have these private equity giants and more, which have made billions of dollars. Yes, during he's pandemic. correct. Now, they're not getting into the housing market to enrich the community. Yeah, let me be clear. Is it free market? In theory, it is, but in, but in practice, it isn't, right? In theory, we're talking about, you know, hey, you know, people should be able to buy homes if they want to and get together. Yeah, it's true. But the problem is, number one, first thing is the lockdowns were created by government, which made big business win and small and small people lose. So off the bat. You know, the, the crash was created by the government. So that's number one off the bat. That is not the only reason, right? But that is definitely a piece of it. So that kind of breaks the free market piece because government shouldn't be doing that. This should be happening naturally either way, right? But I'm still not done. On top of that, you got the Fed, which is lowering interest rates and pumping money into the economy, which makes people who have a little bit of money, all of a sudden, their value starts going down. The big banks, why? The big banks get the money first. They get the money first, they get they get the first crack at it, they get to use it quickly, and that's the thing. And they throw it into places like BlackRock. Why does that matter? Well, one of the reasons is because banking has become investment banking. And one of those reasons is because of the ending of the Glass-Steagall Act, which happened, which the end happened in 1999, I think. I think Clinton was the one who got rid of that. And that broke the wall between investment banking and savings and loans. And again, if you're a hardcore libertarian, you might say, why does that matter? Here's why. Culturally, you might say, well, Larry, people should be able to put their money into banks and gamble if they want to. Agreed. Not going to fight you on that. But culturally, what 
Americans have believed and thought their entire life is that there was a difference between retail and commercial banking. Retail banking was supposed to be the safe, boring banking. I go and get my car loan from that bank, or I go and I get my mortgage from that bank. I get my life insurance from that bank, right? I put my savings account in there and I get, you know, I, I get some decent interest. Doesn't happen now, but used to be, I get interest from that. I would save my, my rainy day fund, all that stuff. I remember when I was a kid, I think my first bank account, I was 15 or 16 years old, something like that. And I went and got a bank account and they gave me like electric can opener as a gift and I give it to my mom, right? I tell the story often. That's, that's a common thing. And that was what it used to be. Not anymore. Now, banking is investment banking. You know where you get your car loan from? You don't get it from a bank. You get your car loan from the financial company that is the car dealer. So if you buy a Honda, you don't get a, you don't go to a bank and get your car loan. You get your car loan from a Honda Finance or Toyota from Toyota Finance. So now everything, everyone's become a big bank because you can. It's easy to do so. And you might think, well, wait a minute, Larry. So it's a mortgage. So what can I do with that? They do what they always do. Buy and sell it. Because now savings and loans can be investment banks. They're all the same. So now they don't care about your savings account anymore. They don't even care about your mortgage, really. What do they want to do? Buy and sell your debt or sell your product so they can put it into the market. Do you think most people know that their mortgage is in a market? They don't believe that. That should never happen. How could you lose my mortgage? How can my mortgage collapse? That can't happen. Yeah, it can. My life insurance is in the market. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's all in the market. And when it collapses, well, then what happens? We all lose everything. And now you're 70 years old and you have to go back to work. That's what happened to us in 9, 10, 11, and 12. We saw it again and again and again. College funds, trashed. They throw everything into the market. That's a problem. We should have two, you should, you should know. You should have to say, you know what? I'm putting my money into an investment bank. Great. You know you're rolling the dice. You know they're going into the market. You know they're buying and selling stuff. No worries. You've made a decision. Good on you. Or I'm putting my money into a savings and loan. They are not going to do that stuff. They're going to be calm, cool, collected, not do crazy stuff. They're not going to sell that house eventually. This is about permanent, creating a permanent yes. middle-class rentier class. The yeah. worst thing that they've ever lost. And this is, he's totally correct on this. Right now, well, that's not true, not right now, but it has been. A situation where it's a general rule, people who once you move into the middle, up middle class, you no longer rented. There were some exceptions that are obviously, particularly some parts of, of, of large cities where the, the rent, your high rent was a, actually a sign of, of, of wealth or power or strength for having a high rent. So there are certain areas in large cities that that was not true. But it's a general rule. Once you move to a middle class or middle class, you no longer rented. You owned something. That was a way that most people thought, oh, I'm moving up because I now own something. Mm -mm -mm. They're trying to make it to where you only own something if you're wealthy. Out on. Remember, poor are already extracted to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars in terms of late fees and all these other things that landlords. And, have been and let's be clear about this. This is another piece he brings up, which is, which is very true. Many of the poorest renters in our country are ignorant to how it works. Their assumption always was, there's a deal, right? I'm a renter and I'll pay my rent and you'll make sure my house is fine as I pay the rent for that. That was the assumption. That's not how it works. They batter the renters terribly. And this is why they try to make renters' rights a thing. I get that concept completely. They try to find laws and rules to, 
to put it in, you know, to, to save and protect the renters. And I get that knee jerk reaction. Renters are being better. He is correct. What happens is they go, they, you know, a hedge fund basically is your landlord. The hedge fund doesn't care about anything except get your money. They'll throw you out in a heartbeat if they can, you know, raise the rents. They don't care um, that you make a mistake. They, they, they have fees and fines and the contracts are so just put into their favor. You have no chance of doing anything. You just screwed being someone who is a poor, uh, an unsophisticated renter with a hedge fund. You are literally things like if you're late a day, you got to pay X dollars per day late times this to where all of a sudden you owe so much, you're never going to pay your rent. You're going to leave. You're going to get evicted and still have to pay them. You're going to get evicted, still have to pay them while someone else is paying rent. That's the kind of stuff he's talking about that happens all the time. I'm doubling, tripling your rent because you don't realize what you've done all the time. And of course you might say, buyer beware. Okay, I get that. But here's what winds up happening. The government wants to step in and say, let's protect the renter. All right, I, I like that idea. You care about people. Intent is good. But you create some rules or laws to stop that. Well, who's writing those rules or laws? Those same lobbyists who are part of the hedge fund. So they write those rules or get around those with their lawyers or then hope, even they can't, they hope that the individual renter even understands those rules and then is able to mount some kind of legal defense against them. They're a hedge fund. You're not going to beat them. That's not going to happen. You know. So who does it actually hurt? Who do the regulations in the attempt to help the, the, the renter actually hurt? The small guy, the little guy or gal who only has one or two or three units because they don't know it either, but the renter might. And the renter now takes advantage of the small guy and hammers the hell out of him or her. And now she's screwed. That's who actually gets screwed. The big players don't get screwed. If they would have been screwed, they'd still be, they wouldn't be doing this. The fact that one in five is already happening, that more and more people are, are having their landlords be uh, hedge funds is proving that the regulation doesn't work. And in fact, you're seeing so many small people lose their homes and sell their homes to these hedge funds shows it's not working. So what's our answer? We'll regulate more. That is exactly the wrong answer to go after them for a long time. But the middle class, the American dream, has always been, okay, if you save up a moderate amount of cash over about a five to 10 year period, yep. you can put a down payment on a reasonable house. You can buy that house. You can achieve your dream. You can have property, which is the single largest purveyor of intergenerational wealth, which gives your kids- Which by the way, that's a bad thing. The fact that that's true is a bad thing, right? I get it. I'm not mad- that it can happen. I hope everyone can buy property and pass it down to their kids or to their nephews and nieces or whomever they want to pass their property to. <clears throat> I hope they can. It's a good thing. But the fact that it's now become basically the only thing left. Wow. Wow. It used to be you could literally just put money in a bank. And, and, and it used to be that the interest rate would easily beat inflation. Those days are long gone. Used to be easily beat inflation. You could put money in the bank and every month put some money in the bank and it would raise money. And then before you know it, you had a bunch of money, you had a chunk of money you could literally just give to your kids or your friends or your family, all to yourself, whomever you want to give it to. Those days are gone. Now what do you do? You borrow against something. Now all we ever do is borrow against something. Well, think about it. When you have permanent capital, very easy to borrow to buy something else. And that's the point of permanent capital.
deserves a shot at having a better life than you. AKA why we all live in this country. Yes. So all that being said, they don't want any of that. They want, it's very profitable to have monthly rent payments hit their bank account. So they are very willing to pay 100, 200K over asking price and buy up all of these new neighborhoods because- And his point is a valid one. They're gonna buy up the whole neighborhood. You're gonna try to buy one house unless you're super wealthy, in which case, if you are super wealthy and watching my show, why aren't you a sponsor and why aren't you paying me through Patreon if you are one of those people who can do that? But assuming that you're not one of those people, I get it. Okay, if you're not one of those people, then all you're gonna buy is maybe one house. Maybe two if you've got some good cash, you came into money somehow, maybe you'll buy two. These funds are buying up entire neighborhoods. So why would that matter? Because you're gonna buy a house for whatever, say the, the idea costs $200,000 or whatever it costs to buy your house. You're going to live in that house. You're probably not going to rent it. You're going to live in that house. They're going to buy that house plus the other 10, 15, 20, 35 in the neighborhood, and they're going to raise the rents on everything. So they can afford to put more money into it because they're going to get so much more money out. And that recurring income allows them to borrow against it. And remember, if they can borrow a huge chunk cheaply against that, they actually lose no money. I want you to think about that for a second. If you say whatever, 40 grand, so you can get a good down payment on your $200,000 house and you put that 40 grand in, you're done. You can't borrow against that yet. You just have enough equity in that home. You're done. You're not borrowing anything. That money's for you is gone until either the house you know, gains value or a couple of years you sell, whatever. That's it. Not them. They're going to buy the whole neighborhood. And the amount of money that's going to be coming in, plus the value of those houses, they can borrow against it immediately. So literally, they lose. There is there is no cost, you know, no no opportunity cost lost at all because they buy right away. You lose at least a year of opportunity cost, if not multiple years. They lose maybe a couple of months of opportunity costs. Otherwise, they're right back in action, moving more, buying more as as if they've achieved no debt, only gaining assets. Because what they want is to create a lower and middle rentier class, which is paying them. And then they can use more of the money that they're getting in this feedback loop to pay even higher for prices and drive out average middle-class consumers. Now, the point, the thing I want to bring up here is I don't think that it's actually a, uh, he sounds a bit conspiratorial to me. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it just makes sense. Like it, you, you can do it. I can just keep buying stuff basically for free, make a perpetual circle and just keep buying. I think that's what it is. I don't think it's an actual like conspiracy to destroy the middle class. That's what's happening. But I think that's a byproduct. I don't think that's the purpose. I don't think they care. I really don't. Let me grab a couple of comments. I'm popping up comments. Let me see if I can grab some of them if I can. So... Um, Jay says, oh, Jay, thank you. Jay is the one who threw this at me. So thank you, Jay, for this. I appreciate that. Crowder had a clip post of the weekend before Crystal and Saga. So maybe I should go check his too. This is the only one I heard about. So that's why I picked this one. So yes. Um, would you classify Ben Shapiro as libertarian? No, I don't think so. He's not libertarian. He, he, he here or there has libertarian views. I think he does have libertarian views and, and certain things, but I think he's much more like, um, just a conservative. He's much more of a conservative, I think. Or maybe even neocon, maybe, maybe. But no, I, I think he has some libertarian views, yes. But I don't think he's a libertarian. I wouldn't classify him as one. I don't think he could. Does he say he's a libertarian? Maybe. I, I, I don't think so. So um, let's see. 
Jimmy says, working in my garden and just listening in listening mode, but thank you, Larry. Great topic. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate that. Yes. So, all right. Uh, let's see if I can keep going. He says, what about credit unions? The credit unions are fine. They're good. They're not regulated by the government in the same way. They're very different. I think they're wonderful. Online banks, awesome. Why, why shouldn't we be doing more of that? It's a great thing. Dustin says, this is why we need to audit the Federal Reserve like Ron Paul wanted. Yes, yes, and yes. Yes, 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 yes. Wally says, I'm a renter who does repairs to my house and turn receipts to my landlord in lieu of that amount of rent. And my landlord hates it. Yes, of course. But here's how it works, by the way, in their contracts they make, Wally. See, you have a landlord and you can make that deal, right? You have you have some leverage in a deal. But if your landlord was a hedge fund, they're going to give you a thick contract that says you are going to, if you do any um, 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 any repairs and they're not okayed by the landlord in advance, they are yours and yours alone. If they are okayed by the landlord, then you must pay it and your rent and they will reimburse you only if you provide them with the receipts and it's, it's agreed upon in, the, in, in, uh, you know, um, in advance. And you might go, well, I'm not doing that, Larry. Okay, great. You don't have to. And when you don't do it, you don't pay your rent. They're going to start to say, oh, you didn't pay your rent? Well, there is a X percent fee for this and for that and for this and for that and blah, 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 blah. And you're going to wind up owing double or triple your rent. That happens every day throughout this country constantly, which is why this is a bad idea. So there's a couple of ways of handling this. Let me let me touch this. I'm glad you brought us up, Molly. Okay, what do you do about this? There are many things you can do about this. The first thing, without question, the first thing is you want to have renters. If you want to be a government organization, governor, mayor, president, whatever, instead of passing laws to try to you know protect renters and to treat them like children, how about instead literally have a campaign of saying, here is what a good rental contract should say. If your rental contract does not say this, it's a BS contract, say no to it, get a lawyer. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what it should say. Say no to this and get a lawyer. Have a have a government hotline that you can call and say, why are you doing this person? That would make a fair release, all those types of things, right? That is far better. Educate and assist your renter instead of telling your renter, I got you, I'm the government, I'm the nanny state. I would rather have renters understand. I thought it's constantly, people ask me all the time, you know, Larry, what would you change in high schools? What would you, what would be, what would be important? And one of the things I always say is basic contract law. Basic contract law should be a thing that kids learn in high school. To this day, I still see tons of people afraid to read a contract, just afraid to read it. Don't get afraid to go. I don't understand this. Reword this. Change this. I don't know what this means. They don't get it. How about basic contract law? Now, Wally, I don't know. You you may be amazing at contracts. Uh, uh, You might be awesome. The average person is not. That's for sure. They're not good at contracts. Kids worse. They don't know how contracts work. So this is an important piece. You want to help? That's number one. Second, there should be basically the equivalent of a, a gap. Gap is the general general accounting principles. That's correct. General accounting principles, right? There should be general leasing principles. Here is what we say is generally what a lease should include. Here is what people, and it should be out everywhere. And if you as a, as, as a renter or as a lease, a leaser, or you even as a broker, if you're not following general leasing practices, that could be unethical. You could lose your license. 
That would make sense, just like an accountant. An accountant can't just go, you know what? I'm going to decide that your car is an asset you can just take off. No, there's general accounting principles that accountants have to kind of come close to or follow, and they don't. They might lose their license. What can we do for that? Everyone in this deal, a lawyer, there's going to be a lawyer in the deal. They're, they're, they have a license. Right? There's going to be a broker probably got a license, right? So why can't we do that? This is a way of actually making it work a whole lot better at a local level that any executive could do. Any executive could make it a, a change immediately. So I just want to bring that piece up. Let me keep going if I can. I'll grab a little bit longer, a little bit more of this if I could. All of that being said, who do you think is coming to their defense? Because, you know, their lackeys have to do it. Oh, lackeys. Well, one of them, Ben Shapiro. And look, I love this because... Ben, every once in a while, just takes off the mask and shows us like how much of an actual radical that he is. Yeah, that's true. Here's what he says. I see many people are enraged at BlackRock. BlackRock is buying homes from people willing mm -hmm. to sell them. If you don't like what they're doing, target the loose governmental policy incentivizing this investment. By the Well, th there's a bit of that that's true, but it's too simplified, right? The problem with what Ben Shapiro's take is on this one is it's too simplified. In theory, it's correct. But you can't just go, just fight back. That's not how that works. Wait, by this, he means the Federal Reserve, which has nothing to do with this. And, and let's ask the Ben. Federal Reserve does have something to do with it, but he is right. You can't really fight the Federal Reserve. So it's it's both. If he has anything to do or would do anything whenever it comes to constraining Wall Street. And I think we know the answer to that. Yes. Next, seriously, BlackRock isn't going to stop investing in single-handed homes because you're mad on Twitter. You could direct your energies towards the Fed's insane monetary policy. If you're mad at BlackRock and you want to artificially prevent them from from buying single family homes. I'd like for you to explain it to those who currently own the homes, mm -hmm. why you're taking money out of their pocket. And All right, that, that, that's, a, that's a bad take from Shapiro. The reality of it is you absolutely could stop BlackRock or anybody else. You absolutely could, of course you could. How could you do that? By simply doing what we just talked about, making what I just said, clear contract standards and saying no, no. And then when BlackRock says, well, then you can't have a home. Well, then if we all in, together go, no, here's the contracts we use in this, we want to use in this state. Again, not a law, but the individual renters go, no, no, this is our contract. Well, then BlackRock can't get any renters. If BlackRock can't get renters, then BlackRock can't have that ongoing income, in which case BlackRock can't keep buying homes. So the whole thing collapses. So either they get the renters at the right contract or the whole scheme stops. Either way, a win. So it, you, you can get that to happen. But something else, I want you to think about what happened, what's been happening recently. How many companies have been doing the, um, have been doing the, uh, uh, the culture war stuff? Right? Oh, what we'll do is because we're, we're a bad company, you're right. So we'll send our executive through sensitivity training. See, because we care about you. They do that. Why would they send their, their people through sensitivity training? Because they want to look good so you still buy their stuff. Clearly, they don't actually care about sensitivity training. That's totally relevant to the companies. They just want you to like them still, right? So they, they do that. Great. Well, you can tell them to have better contracts too, or you don't buy from them. You could make, you could make, you could have the government step in. Uh, I'm going to say libertarian. Step in for only one thing, transparency in your transaction. So maybe if the companies are, you know, whatever, Bob's private equity, you have to show, you make a rule, look, if you're going to go through all my finances as a renter, which they are, if you have a rent, you know, they do a background check on you. Then I can do a background check on you. I want to know who puts money into your company. And that should be a law. If they can do it to me, I could do it to them. 
Let me see. Oh, BlackRock. No, 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 no. No, you got to change that. I'm, I'm, I'm not paying this rent or I'm not using that contract. That too. This has to be a cultural shift. Any legal shift is just going to be taken over by the people who put up the money in the politics, the people who run places like BlackRock and such. So it's not going towards like taxing the rich. It doesn't work. You've got to have a cultural shift. This is what I'm talking about. By the way, it, it's still wrong, but this you, you have to have it. really what it is. He's like on the – look, if I get it. If you're selling your house, obviously you want the most amount of money. I'm not mad at you. What I am mad at is the fact that these private equity giants got enriched again to the tune of hundreds of billions over the last – Because of government interference. Last several, over the last several months, especially during this year, and yep. they have a long-term dystopian vision. This is America. Property is the number one way that you get rich. That's it. That's how I it works. It I wish it was otherwise. Yep. But yep, I'm with them on that one. I wish that was not the case. Sadly, it, it is. is. And you know what? It is ingrained in our DNAs. We're down here in Texas. I would be remiss. This was flagged to me. How hot is the Austin housing market? Shout out mm -hmm. to the uh, Austin American Statement. Homes are regularly selling for 100K or more above asking. Yep. 1,500 Austin area homes from January 1st to May 23rd sold for 100K above asking. In the same time frame in 2020, only 22 homes hit Big that difference. threshold. This is a combination of rich people who are moving here yep. as well as private equity giants and more who see that more yep. PMCs are coming here yep. and want to buy out all the real estate in order to rent to them. Like this is. Yeah. And that's the issue, right? They want to buy the real estate not to sell it to them so they can rent it to them. Remember, I mentioned to you that the exception of that middle class piece, you know, buying your own home was that in certain large cities, you still did rent, right? That, that's a thing that in many large cities. Here in New York City, the Upper West Side, lots of people rent, most rent. Not all, some people buy, but most rent. And when they rent, they're renting at three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 a month in rent in those, in those areas. And these are all the, the PMC, right? The professional management class, right? These are these people. Well, they go to Austin and they want to buy something. But the neighborhood isn't good because all the good places that they want to live in have been bought up already in advance by these uh, private equity firms. Well, guess what happens? The private equity firm goes, oh, no, no, our rent, it's not $7,000. No, 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 no. It's only five. Oh, five. Ooh, deal from New York. This is awesome. It's only five grand. Yeah, but the house here that would have cost you, you know, $3 million in New York City, house here costs 300000 So they're still making a killing. And the PMC's happy. And BlackRock's happy. Everybody's happy. And now all of a sudden, they put them into the mode of, you don't buy anymore. You just rent forever. That's a big issue. The renting forever piece is a big issue. The idea of more and more people being in that rental mindset. And the youngsters are heavily in that rental mindset. It's a big deal. Let me grab some more, um, some more uh, comments if I could. So... Larry, would you say we've never seen or experienced actual free markets because of monopolies and wealthy coalitions? Hmm. It's a valid question. I'm not sure you can ever actually see a truly free market. I don't think that I, – I feel like that is a – that is a that is the North Star that we always want to be heading towards but will never reach. I don't think you can see a, an actual free market. 
I think you always want to start moving closer and closer to it. And I think things will happen where it'll come back and you go forward again and come back and there'll be mo- monopolies and oligarchies and government intervention and war and famine and all types of things that will pop up here or there. But I think you've got to keep moving towards it. I'm not sure there is such a thing in reality. I feel like it's, it's, the, uh, it's the mythical unicorn we keep searching for. That's where my head is. I, think, I don't think we can ever see a free market. I think we have to just keep moving towards it. I think that's it. So um, Jay says, on occasion of a social item, Shapiro says he's a libertarian, i.e. gay marriage. Uh, maybe. I'm sure he has some, some libertarian views. Sure. So, all right. Um, Paul says, now I'm paranoid. I get a lot of offers from my home from people who are not affiliated with any uh, reputable realtors. Yeah, Paula, that's BlackRock calling. They're knocking on your door. Yeah, they are. Yes. Josh says, that, that does sound crazy. Government offering advice and guidance that have mandating a fix recommended by lobbyists? I know. Crazy, Josh. I know. I've been saying this literally for years. In my, if we're going to have government, what I'd like it to be is two things, maybe three, three things. One, stop us, uh, protect our rights. Protect our rights. Number one, protect our rights to include natural rights, property rights, protect our rights, be the court system, all that stuff, right? Protect our rights. I like that. Two, physically defend us from it, from an, a threat outside coming in to you know attack us. And then three, being an actual neutral repository for information that every citizen could access. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm probably asking a whole lot more than I'm going to get, but it's fine. That's what I would like. Absolutely. Yes. So Mr. Tyler says, if you can afford it, you should be able to purchase and possess it. If you can afford it, you should be able to purchase and possess it. I'm not sure what you're saying with that one. Um, I mean, people gamble on borrowing money often in which they actually can't afford it because they have to borrow money to get it. And they may or may not be able to pay it back. Um, I'm not, and I'm not sure someone's stopping you. I guess unless you're saying the market's stopping you. I'm not sure where you're going, Tyler. You got to help me out with that one. I'm not, I'm not sure where you're going. Craig says, saw a meme, uh, quote, hate landlords so much. Why don't you buy your own house? <laughs> Then showed a map of the median home price being too high to afford, and it was meant to be against landlords. Well, then proved that landlords provide housing where people can't afford to own. It, it's it isn't easy, Craig. Right? I I don't want I don't want to start mandating at all. I want to create better environments, right? I want to make it. I say it all the time. I don't want to knock down the Davids. I mean the Goliaths. I'm sorry. I don't want to knock down the Goliaths. I want to build a whole lot more Davids. Right? That's always my goal. Building lots of Davids. And then the Goliaths just don't have as much power. And a bunch of things together and knock them down whenever they want to. That's what I like. It's a much better way of doing it. I'd rather have savvier, more aggressive support for renters than just knock down all the Black, Black Rocks of the world. So the Black Rock has to get better, number one, or the scheme fails and Black Rock stops. Both are the right answer. But trying to regulate it just means Black Rock controls the regulation. That's not going to work. And the little guy gets crushed. We see that now. Absolutely. Dustin says... All of this is why I keep buying Bitcoin. Smart contracts are changing the game in real estate. It's a huge disruptor of a lot of industries. It's a good point. Smart contracts are good. I like that. Ryan says, hey, just saying, Stacey Prussman for New York City Mayor. I'm agreeing with you. Stacey Prussman's awesome. Hope you guys who are in New York can support her. That'd be amazing. Yes, please do that. Absolutely. So, all right. um, Only free market is in in Kapistan. Yes, if that ever happens. 100%. If, If that 
ever happens. I'm not sure that ever happens. So, yes, let me grab a little bit more of this if I can. Um, they do cover some other interesting pieces in this one. This is the antithesis of what the American dream is mm -hmm. all about. And, of course, they've got a bunch of people on their side, like Shapiro, but there's a lot of neoliberals who agree with this stuff, too. Well, yes. I love how he's like, why don't you direct your energies yeah. towards the Fed's monetary yeah. policy? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Don't. Look, I, that's true, too. Yes, I don't want to get away from that. We should, but that's not enough, right? Ben made it just too simple. Did you vote on the yeah, Fed's monetary right. policy? Do you have any influence whatsoever on the Fed? I know we don't. Yes, Crystal, you're right. We don't. Maybe that's the reason why the Fed's a terrible idea. Yeah, you're right. Fed's monetary right. policy. Of course, he takes off the table mm -hmm. any of the policy changes right. that actually might have a chance. This thing called Congress, you actually vote for. Right. That's yeah, where you might, you know, if you have an issue here, direct. No, Ben does talk about Congress too. He does. What 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 Ben does yeah, that was wrong. I, I, you know, maybe I'll show his piece too. Ben is all about, you know, just make it simple. It's simple. Just end the Fed. Ben, I'm with you. Let's end the Fed. I'm I'm there. Let's try. Well, he's going to end the Fed. He wants to change the Fed. I want to end it, but fine. Whatever. We'll walk down his road. We'll get to mine. It's fine. Ben, you and I can be on. We'll be spotical on that one. I agree. But that isn't the only thing. That's the issue. That isn't the only thing. It is a thing. Not the only energies thing. and look in a sense he's right blackrock is gonna blackrock yeah no thank you about right. it right but congress this good is, congress this is the american capitalistic system that has been set up with you know corporate socialism we're gonna get now this is the piece he's writing comes to the next piece which is important for many of you to hear this is one of the reasons these types of things are one of the reasons why socialism looks so good because what does the average youngster see when it comes to capitalism they see this and they think this is all capitalism can ever be. Into socialism in a minute. Oh, yeah. Corporate socialism and totally rigged in their favor, thanks to, you know, some of the people that Ben would support the most and the type of policies mm -hmm. that, that Ben frequently espouse, espouses. This is the logical end result. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely. I get it. You said it's setting up a truly sort of dystopian future and that is the, the future is where everyone if you ever see the 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 movie i bring up is uh ready player one if any of you've seen the movie i i didn't like the movie that much however there's a however piece of that the beginning the opening piece you know showing how people live is i think a realistic future for us everyone living in small homes by themselves living virtually and just giving all their money to one or two massive corporations that absolutely could be a future for us. And, you know, when I looked into, okay, so what is it like if you have one of these giant corporations, giant private yep. equity funds, what is it like for them to be your landlord? Mm -hmm. and oh, it's you terrible. You will not be surprised oh, to learn. Yeah. It's a hellscape. You're, you know, they do everything they possibly can to save every single penny. Now you might say, well, Larry, every landlord will do that. That's not true. It just is not true. Just it's, it's demonstrably false. And if any of you, I don't know if you're, if you're watching, if you've, if you've rented from an individual person who's a landlord versus a company who's a landlord, right? The company will only have policy. You are a number and they will hammer you. The individual may not. You can have a conversation with the person.
Now, sometimes that person will be a jerk and will hammer you. That does happen. It's like every individual landlord is a great person. Of course not. But they can. You might have a landlord who will care about you, deal with some kind of trade, allow you to do something you wouldn't want to do. That could happen. It doesn't happen ever when it's a corporation. It doesn't ever. You fall into this piece. You are a number. They will hammer you and that's it. And that's a, and that's a problem because particularly people who are newer renters or novice renters, I don't know how the system works. They get themselves put in situations where they can almost can't get out and they're back. They're backed up for years. So that means if something goes catastrophically wrong in your home, they're not going to fix it or it's going to be on you to fix it. Of course. Well, there's the other issue, right? If you have a smaller landlord and something goes wrong, she says, right? Something like that. And then you scare them or sue them. They get scared. They can't afford a lawsuit. They move on. A large BlackRock, I mean, they have billions with a B, billions of dollars. Lawsuits are part of their business model. I'm not making that up. Lawsuits are part of their business model. They make assumptions in their business model that there will be certain millions of dollars they will spend against lawsuits. So your lawsuit is expected. I don't care. I got lawyers on staff that deal with you little chumps. That's exactly what they're thinking. The, the, the small landlord doesn't have that. BlackRock does. Of course, the legalistic contracts that you mm-hmm. have to sign puts all of the burden and the risk on your side. So if you're fronting the cost. Oftentimes, this is what they found. You're fronting the cost for yep. any sort of like significant repairs that have to take place. Meanwhile, they're banking the wealth that 100%. comes from the appreciation of the property as you're putting in those investments. I mean, that's what that looks like. And you're absolutely right. The one way that at this point, as precarious yes. as the economy is for people, the one way that Americans can still build stable middle-class wealth is yep. through the housing market. And- I know. We, we've been saying that so much, and it drives me crazy that that's true, but it is. Let me grab some more comments if I can. So um, Nate says, monetary policy is the key in the Fed. I'm I'm with you. Yes, 100%. Um, Bob says, thoughts on the NH libertarian policy. People ask me this all the time. Uh, it's like the third time I've had this question asked. Um they're gonna ha- aren't they gonna have a meeting tonight at like 9 p.m. Eastern? Yeah, L- I think the LNC that we meeting tonight, and you guys can yell at them there. Look, the if regardless of which way it goes, does it affect me? Does it affect us? It affects New Hampshire. Let New Hampshire handle it in the way that New Hampshire wants to handle it. I'm when it comes to the, the National Party, I wanted to do really one thing ballot access. That's it. Assist states with ballot access and get us ballot access for a presidential candidate every four years. That's what I wanted to do. Otherwise, I, I don't care about messaging. I know people do to get upset. I don't care about messaging. I don't care about any, I don't care about interfering with um, unless it is for ballot access. I don't even want the LP interfering with state stuff unless it's about access or if the state requests. Obviously, if the state says we're in trouble, help us, then of course you should step in because you request it. No worries. You don't ask for help. Good luck. I I know it sounds horrible, but when it comes to the party, not the movement, and I always put those two up, the party and the movement. The movement is all about activists, all about activists. The party, all about candidates. If you don't have good candidates, what do I care if your party's doing well? So you've got a party that's function with no candidates or bad candidates. You're not making any impact. Just doing stuff. I, good candidates. So does New Hampshire have good candidates running? Then I care. Let's help them out. 
Let's jump on them. They don't have that. Uh, whatever. Good luck, New Hampshire. Whatever happens, happens. It's not my issue, right? I got my own issues here in New York. In case you had noticed, I'm not a party anymore in New York State. I got my own issues. So I don't even have a party. That's fine. That's my view. I know it sounds callous, but New Hampshire will figure it out. There's savvy, smart people in New Hampshire. They will figure it out. Oh, good. So anyway, um, Tyler says, we live under cronyism, not capitalism. True. Yes, absolutely. Nate says, it's so backward that people conflate capitalism with the results that central banking has brought, especially considering central banking is a pillar of communism, according to the Marx Manifesto. Why don't Marxists know Marxism? Remember something. Marxism, as a general rule, is a religion. Many ideologies are, to include Marxism. So you don't have to actually know it to believe in it, right? I can be a Christian and not really know the Bible very well, still be a Christian. Just how Marxists are. I'm Marxism. Do you know Marx? Yeah, not really, but I'm still a Marxist. S- similar thing, right? I can be Jewish and not really know, you know, Torah very much. I can still be Jewish, right? I can still be Muslim and not really know the Quran very much. Could still happen. So I think it's very similar in that regard. I it seems like a jokey, but I'm I'm serious. That's how it often works. Yes. Josh says some individual landlords begin the business because they care about the neighborhood. True. Absolutely. And while that's not every landlord, that's no corporations. And that's my point. Not every landlord is a good landlord. Some small landlords are really jerks and bad people. Absolutely. But no corporations are good landlords, right? But at least some individuals are. So wouldn't I want to try to make it to where more individuals are landlords? More small businesses moving up? Yeah. So um, he says, and they don't want people with no vested interest controlling their neighbors. 100%. Yes. Tony says the corporation only cares about bottom line profit. They have to answer their investors. Yes, which is not a bad thing. And I'll go back to the same thing I bring up all the time. I'm not against big business in general. I'm not against franchises. I'm not against franchises either. But there should be a solid mix of everything. Small business owner, franchise owner, big business owner. There should be big corporations that own large tracts of land. That should happen. And smaller people with smaller ones and individuals. There should be a healthy mix of them all. Problem is government is making it so that it's only the big guys. Government is skewing it to, to Nate's, you know, idea that that you know that's more like capitalism. I'm sorry, to Tyler's idea, more that it's like cronyism, is skewing it towards that versus letting the market kind of decide where that equilibrium should be. There should be some big corporations that own big stuff that should exist and everything in between. And we're kind of missing a lot of that. So, yes. All right. Um, Paula says, LP needs to think quality, not quantity, but candidates. 100% yes, Paula. Yes. 100%. All right. A little bit further if I could. Just a little bit more. I won't drive you guys too crazy. I promise. And that is what they're going after. That is what they are trying to drive a stake into yes. the heart of. It is the last bastion. But I just want to go. They're both sounding conspir- conspiratorial. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I don't think the the, the 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 people on the board of BlackRock are like, hmm, how do we destroy the middle class today? <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think they're saying, hey, this thing we're doing is working. It's making money. Let's keep doing this thing. Oh, boss, it happens to be destroying the middle class. Okay, and? Well, nothing. Just thought I'd tell you. Yeah, yeah, good. But it's working, right? We're making money? Yeah, great. If he is the reverse he would have gotten the exact same response. But boss, it's helping the middle class. Okay, great. Why? Uh, nothing. 
Is it working? Yes, go do it. The, the thing that it's helping or hurting is irrelevant. This is exactly to Tony's point. Tony's saying they're out to make the cash. If it happens to help, great. It happens to hurt, still great. Let's make the money. Of any sort of stability. And so I just saw an article recently that was like, millennials don't want to buy a house. They yeah. just like the carefree rental. No, they can't buy a house. They yes. can't buy a house. You have to be like a millionaire or a private equity executive in order to buy just a basic house. Now, this is a piece that I want to touch. This is a big deal, guys. All you youngsters out there, and I'm I'm defining youngsters as person under 30. Think about your peer group. Most of your peer group does not own much. Some of you do, but most of your peer group does not. You're renting, you're borrowing your car, you rent, you have a used car, older car. It's a common thing. Oh, you don't even have a car in the city. You don't even have a car. Her point's a valid one. Now you're saying they don't want this stuff. They don't want it because they can't see it. They can't even imagine it. Why do you think so many youngsters will spend so much money on stuff that has no value? Like, I don't know, avocado toast, stuff like that. Why? Because they think in their head, they're never going to have that big thing. They're never going to own a house. That's a million miles away. Why bother trying to save anything? Savings for chumps. Savings dumb. Let's just spend the money now and go do the cool things right now. That's what a lot of them are thinking. That is a renter's mindset. That's not an ownership mindset. That is unhealthy. And this environment is making that happen. So what winds up happening? What winds up happening is everything they're talking about becomes almost not even important anymore. They don't care. They're like, I can't deal with the Fed. I can't deal with these issues. This stuff, Larry, talking about the Glass-Steagall Act. I don't even know what the hell that is. I was in Bellinger School when that happened, and they don't care. So what do they fight over? Culture war. They fight over culture war. That becomes the thing we fight over. Let's fight a culture war because there's nothing else that can make any sense. I can't get anything done, so I'll spend my money and I'll fight a culture war. And I'll worry about the rights of these people or that people to do things that aren't that important over the course of America. In a hot metro area. And by hot metro area, I don't mean like five states. I mean most of the country. Yep. So this is a truly dystopian state of affairs mm -hmm. and something that people clearly it's striking a nerve. No, it is. And I'm so glad. Actually, Every time I see like organic stuff. You like shouldn't be glad about like this. this. It just gives me life because it also no. like Ben, there are people on the left who agree with this stuff. Dylan Matthews. He's a box writer. They yeah, yeah, they agree. But then we you know what ends up happening. Here is the biggest problem. They, they announce what's happening, and this is what's happening, and the left has an answer. That answer is socialism. And the right has uh, no answer. You don't like it, but it hurts. The right has no answer, and the left has socialism. That's lose-lose. There's no win in that. That's lose-lose. And if you're a youngster who doesn't see socialism like some of us gray-haired people do, or you got a little bit of gray hair, you see socialism in a very different view. You still remember the Soviet Union and communist China. These were scary things to you. Remember those things. I know I was in the Marine Corps in the 80s. I know that was scary to me. I didn't like that. I had friends who, you know, joined the Marine Corps because they were from a, a former Soviet bloc country or, or at that point, a current Soviet bloc country. And they were trying to get their citizenships. They were joining the military, risking their lives so they could get American citizenship, get, get American citizenship. Right. That's how it was in the 80s. I don't know if that's still now, I don't know if that's now, but back then, if you if you weren't a citizen and joined the military, you got fast-tracked to citizenship if you got an honorable discharge. So I don't know if that's still true, but that was true back in the 80s. And so people in my you know boot camp, people in my in my units were 
literally foreigners who were trying to get citizenship, sacrificing their lives in the military for it, right? We, we, we were scared of socialism. It's a bad thing. But if you're under 30, it's, you know, cool Uncle Bernie and hot AOC. That's, that's who it is. It's not that bad. It's free stuff. This is, doesn't work. This, this capitalism thing is not working for me. So I'll go socialism. I look to the right. What's my answer? Nothing. Yell at your congressman is what Shapiro says. Oh, whomever. I just brought Shapiro because of this. There's no answer. So look at the left. What's their answer? Marx. What else could there be but Marx? So all of a sudden, they become socialists. This is not a good thing. Quote, this seems like a great deal for homeowners and a way to wean Americans off their obsession with investing in crumbling piles of wood and appliances. Mm. I have a joke that, uh, with a lot of uh, other friends uh, uh, that these people actually do want to force you to live in pods. Like that's yes. what they want. They want pod lives. Like they want ready. That's socialism. That's what they're asking for. Yes. Level existences where people are stacked up, up on top, on top of each other in like this dystopian hellscape. And it's like, Oh, well, ready player one. Sleep, right. I mean like, whatever, like what, what do they care? I mean, maybe they're saving a little bit of money. Imagine referring to your homes in as crumbling piles of wood and appliances. Yes, this, this is that's going to sell in the heartland. First of all, obviously <laughs> the most politically stupid thing you could say, but from a human, it's dehumanizing. Yes, this is crazy. We're the, the the answers are not good. They're not good at all. So yes, um, Tony says if the government's going to pay people to stay home, why should they worry about the future? It's a valid issue, Tony. You're completely right. Right if. If the second things go wrong, big daddy government starts writing you a check. Uncle Joe writes you a check as soon as things go wrong. It's a valid point. Absolutely. Jimmy says the right solution to the mess we are in is to have more corporatism. Then again, the left wants the same thing. <laughs> that's true. Yes, that's true. But the right, the left talks nicer about it. But yeah. You're right. In the state the of Texas time. right now, the whole like property is uh, intrinsic into the blood of the state in terms of what independence and all that was fought over, but also oh, she into, like, that. like the DNA of how people conceive of themselves. Now, once again, is that the perfect system? Probably not. It is yeah. not. But it is what it is. And at this point, if you're advocating for you – No, know, you, you can't just go it is what it is. is. I, I just want to make sure it doesn't simplify it too much. Buying a home is an issue. It absolutely is. And we should be concerned about it. Absolutely is. Right? It is. But it, but we, we can fix more than one thing. And we could stop fighting culture wars and actually fix some of these problems. Get if The average American, when they're doing well, is more open to all forms of social change. If you're struggling to pay your bills... And you're a white guy. Do you care about immigrants coming into the into the country? No, you got your own bills. Why are you giving the immigrants the money? That's how you would think, of course. And it's just a white guy. Say you're a Hispanic person. You're a you know you're a you're you're some you're some guy who came up here from Mexico and you've you know built yourself a little bit of a family and you're not making some money and you got to pay for your kids to go to college. Do you care about the new people coming across the border? They're like, I'm here trying to pay for my kids to go to college. Why, why, why are you taking my money? You stop feeling that. But what about when you're doing well? You're, you've, got, you've got the cash. You're paying your kids college. It's not a big deal for you. You can get past it. You're right with it. Or college isn't so expensive. Or you're that same white guy who's not struggling anymore. Now you're paying your bills fine. You're going on vacation a couple of times a year. You're doing fine. Now when I come in and go, hey, can you help me out with the poor guy coming across the border? 
You go, yeah, let's talk about that. Okay. Let's let's talk about that. I, I I'm I'm open. Let's have a conversation. When people are struggling, they don't want to hear about the other. When people are doing well, they're open to it. Okay, let's have a conversation. People are okay spreading some of the wealth when it's voluntary and they're doing well. They're not okay when they're struggling. It's just common sense. Let's focus on all of us becoming stronger so that we are more happy to have the conversation to help those who aren't too. On the side of BlackRock, imagine thinking, this seems like a great deal for homeowners and then for all these people who are just going to be, imagine paying your check once Mm -hmm. a month to BlackRock. As you say, oh, your sink is broken, screw you. You know why? Because it's not like my house. If you're a starter landlord or whatever, you think is broken. You're like, hey, man, this is my house. You know, you got to make sure I fix this. All yes. That. You know, I got it. Re- His point's a valid one, right? So you d- you don't f- get your f- sink fixed, but then you don't pay your rent. You go on a rent strike. You can't go on a rent strike against BlackRock if you don't have a lawyer. I'm just telling you. You might think you can. You can't. You are getting physically thrown out. Physically, the sheriff is coming, kicking in your door, and throwing you out. Why? Because the people on BlackRock, they write checks to the local sheriff. They write checks to the local mayor. They write checks to all those people. They are coming into your home, kicking your door and throwing you out, see you in court. Hope you can afford a lawyer without a house. Sent this to somebody else. BlackRock, they don't care. Sue, literally, sue me. They'll be like, sue me. Go ahead. What are you going to do? You're not going to sue it. You you can't do anything. You have no rights. I have have some questions here. Is Uh Dylan Matthews, who obviously is neoliberal writing for Very neoliberal. Is he calling for like the abolition of private property? A lot of them do it. No, 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 no. A lot of them do it. Why in the world would youngsters think that the abolition of private property is a good deal? Because of stuff like this. Because of stuff like this, you're wondering, how can the youth become socialist? They're answering your questions right now. This is how. If we don't find an answer to this, instead, start fighting culture wars. And if we don't fix this, they're all going to go this route. Of course they would. Of course they would. They believe this stuff. I I would agree with the sentiment that we are too dependent on building wealth in Yes, she's right. Emotionally, I get what she's saying. It doesn't feel good. That's true. And I can acknowledge the feeling without making a bad policy, right? And I think we should. We should just attack the the youngsters who feel this way, attack the socialists. I get their emotion. We should respect the emotion. Okay, it it feels bad. It doesn't seem to be working. Okay, now let's find some real answers versus instead destroying private property through the you know through housing yes i would agree with that but you can't rip the rug out from people without anything to replace it then you're just making everybody worse off if you've got another like oh hey we're gonna build wealth in this other way okay Mm -hmm. and make it okay for you or help you to have a dignified life they're totally correct okay then maybe we can talk about that but you can't just pull the rug out from under i've got one more though that we have to we have yeah. to get to because oh, yeah. i definitely this is a good, this is actually a good one i definitely yeah. want your response to this yeah marjorie taylor green mm-hmm. um mtg herself mm-hmm. her response to this was to say socialism period mm-hmm. all the people excited over the fantasies of socialism that they consume from social media experts and members of congress don't understand that there will be very few that own and control everything and the rest of the population will be poor and under control so when she now when she says this here's the problem there are huge swaths of people particularly young people but older also particularly young people 
who think that's already the case. And there's evidence to show they're right. So if I'm going to have an oligarchy, can I at least get some free stuff? That's how they're thinking. MTG is not doing the right thing if she wants to cross the aisle. She doesn't want to cross the aisle. She just wants to make her people feel good. And I get it. That, that's how modern politics works. I get what she's doing. But if you actually want to get people across the aisle to say, wait a minute, this is not the way. Because they, they go, yeah, so give me free stuff then. She sees, so in, when she sees this like rampant, unfettered capitalism mm -hmm. that has in fact wrought all kinds of misery and consolidations of wealth and power, and we talk about monopoly and antitrust here on the show, when she sees that, she thinks, AOC bad and socialism bad. Yes, like this she, is, this is she goes right to that. Rotting your brain. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, well done. Culture war rotting your brain. Yes, it's immediately other side bad. That's it. Other side bad. Something bad happened. Other side bad. Okay, what's your solution? Other side really bad. Okay, got it. What's your solution? Other side super duper bad. That doesn't solve my problem. Right? That's what the right is doing. What does the left do? I have a problem. Uh, more government control? But no, no. The more government control is what got me in my problem. So how do we solve this? More, more government control? No, no. That's what got us here. The, the government control part is what got us here. I don't want more of that. What's your problem left? What's your solution left? Total government control? <sighs> that's what we're up against. Other guy bad. Versus total government control. This is lose-lose. But, but at least Marjorie thinks this is a problem. So well, I guess true. we'll take it. I guess that's you know what I mean? She's not, she, I don't know. There, there's probably some senator out, maybe like Chuck Grassley or somebody out there. He'd be like, well, look, there's a great, good deal of homeowners. You know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to stop BlackRock from buying houses? I'm like, maybe. Like, at, <laughs> like, is that crazy? Am I insane? Should we, should we not have a stable housing market? Well, no, I mean, you, you would have to, I mean, I'm not sure you want to say BlackRock can't buy houses. I think that might be a little crazy. I mean, I don't know how you would implement that. How, how do you implement that? Do you just say that groups of people can't buy houses? It has to be an individual. Uh, that may be crazy. I'm not, I'm not sure that's, that's how that works. I, I'm not sure. Oh, it's never, you know, an unstable housing market never worked out badly for the United States. It just be that families and like regular people get first crack and this happens and if constantly. it's just there and nobody wants okay right. well maybe what is how do you do first crack so if two people come in with the same amount of money i have to give it to the family is, is that how it a family gets to buy it over i mean i guess in theory that could how do you define family then what happens when blackrock just uses the families to buy stuff Right. I mean, you then won't get around that. And then, OK, you give a first crack to the family. So the family, if, if the price is two hundred thousand dollars, me as the family and then you as BlackRock both come in at two hundred thousand dollars. The BlackRock says, oh, two ten. Well, I don't have two ten. BlackRock gets it. I'm not sure how this one works either. Neither of these seem like sound policies to me. I think this is a cultural change to where the the the, the renters become better. The. The judges understand the difference, and they often don't, sadly. The judges see the difference between a corporate landlord and an individual landlord, and they act accordingly in court 
which they don't. They should. That's a cultural issue. And if the renters become better and savvier at renting, then either by default, BlackRock has to become a better landlord or the opposite side is then um, uh, the BlackRock will stop doing this. Either one will happen. I think if you have a court system that would punish BlackRock effectively, if they were being harsh to their renters, one of the things happens, BlackRock becomes a better landlord option one or BlackRock stops doing this. But why can't we at least have it so that just normal people get first crack? This is again, it just it takes the human element out of it. When BlackRock mm-hmm. is your landlord that is your landlord or owns all the houses in your neighborhood. Do that you actually really have a neighborhood like that's what part they of actually it buy is, entire neighborhoods. is about that's true. forming human connections with your neighbors and having a community where people who own the property in the community are invested in it. BlackRock that would doesn't be nice care about you. They care about their office in Manhattan and in Beijing and Shanghai and in London and in also Brussels, true. and then where all of their executives live in the you know Greenwich, Connecticut, and if they it could will care less. Save them yeah. true. one penny to kick you out of the house, or Easily. one yeah. penny that's accurate to calculate. This is also true. What you're saying is absolutely also true. All right, this this is an issue. I, let me grab a couple comments if I could. So, um, Dustin says if the dollar had some value to it, then homes would be easier to buy. It's a pretty uh, simple solution for the right if they tried. It's simple but not easy, Dustin. Right? The, the the fixing the dollar is a tough sell for most people because you have to then admit that the dollar has no value, and the average American doesn't know that or believe that. The average American thinks to good old greenback. That's important. Mm, so that's a tough one. Tony says young people need to stop majoring in the social sciences and humanities in college. It requires skills that people gladly pay money for, like accounting, finance, engineering, electric electricians. Carpentry, plumbing, acquire skills that will pay higher salaries. Art history is not going to afford an apartment apartment in cities like New York. I would argue, Tony, that I go further than you. You say college, I say high school. I would even go to high school. If you look at what most high school students are learning now, the vast majority of them will never use any of it ever again. And I'm not joking. The vast majority will never use any of the things they're learning in high school ever again, ever. That's why most of them even care about it. They know it has no value, right? It, they're, most of them are marking time to get into college. I would say what you're saying, but earlier. Start that in high school. Why, why aren't we talking about basic accounting in high school? Why isn't that a normal thing? Why not? Why isn't how to pay a credit card bill? How, why aren't interest payments a thing? Basic banking, basic finance. I'm not asking to go out there and start closing deals and, and buying, you know, and 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 buying and selling companies. I'm not saying that, but basic finance. Why isn't that there? Carpentry and plumbing, all those things. I'm completely agreeing with you. I just think earlier. I think I, you, have to, you don't go far enough, Tony. I'm saying we start in high school. It's even better. So yes. Um, Tony also says I used to work at BlackRock a while back. The founder, Larry Fink, made his career. Selling and traded mortgage-backed securities. Yes, absolutely. Which is basically buying and selling debt. Yeah, buying and selling debt. 100%. Paula says, why aren't we talking about welding and plumbing in high school? Yep, your plan for high school is spot on, Larry, 100%. See, I'm more radical than Tony. Tony thought he was radical. I'm more radical than him. Absolutely. I think, you, in my view, you should leave elementary school, elementary school, being able to survive basically in our nation. If you leave elementary school, basic math, basic reading and writing, you can survive 
in our world once you leave high, uh, elementary school. Once you leave high school, which I think should end at 16, you should be able to function as an adult, right? You should be able to function as an adult, which means you should probably know how your toilet works. I mean, what's wrong with the, I've literally shown my daughters how the toilet, they don't know how the toilet works. I just show them how it works, right? Stuff like that. How to write a check. I mean, do you write checks anymore? But credit cards, how those work, basic banking. These are skills that in most high schools you don't learn. We're worried about let's pass our test and that's about it, right? Basic everything. It's not a bad idea. I love the idea. Then if you want to go to get something, then go to college. If you want to become a doctor, lawyer, whatever, credentialed. If you want to do something that requires credentialing, then go to college, right? You want to be a teacher or whatever. These are all credentialed things. Medical field, medical professional, engineer. Go get credentialed. That's important. You got to be credentialed to do those things. Go do it. You don't want to be credentialed? Why are you going to college? To Tony's point, if you want to go to the humanities, you can. Now, if you want to be a teacher or something, that's good. If you don't want to be a teacher, no worries. But understand your humanity stuff is just going to, it's just, is not going to be a thing that gets you a great job. And that's okay. Maybe you don't want it. Maybe you just enjoy humanities and you want to be a, a better friend and a better parent. All good. And I think a humanities degree might make you a better friend, a better parent, because you'd be able to talk better and cool stuff. Maybe it will. Who knows? So, yes. Uh, Paula says, my grandfather made it to the sixth grade. He died very comfortably financially. He was literate, owned a business, and was a welder. Yes, yes, you are right about grade school, too. Yeah. I mean, that's the issue, right? You should be able to function. I was great. And by the time high school comes, you should end at 16, you should be fine. My mom got out of high school. I mean, she didn't graduate in the United States. But she got out of high school. She was like 14, 15, done. That was it. Out to work. <gasps> oh, my God. Uh, kid could work at 14, 15. Yeah, okay, it's, the world's not going to end. It's fine. Whatever. Do, do you. I say 16. You're 16. Go for work. It's fine. Do you. Whatever's your thing. So let me let me wrap up this piece here. I do appreciate it. But before I go there, if I could, I do also want to do a little bit maybe of of Shapiro. But let me just let me let me walk down this. Let's way say, you know, that a, a certain percentage of these homes have asbestos in them. They know mm -hmm. what they will calculate. Is it worth the money to get Correct. rid of the asbestos and make sure these houses are safe? Or is it worth the money to just pay the lawsuits? Mm -hmm. That, you there know, we that go. Yeah, it's like the scene percent. from Fight Club. They're like, we literally take like the average lawsuit times the average yep. payout. Oh, this is real stuff. This it's, is it's real. Yeah. And that's the issue that I think we have to worry about. It, it really is an issue. So, guys, if, if you like what I'm talking about, do me a favor. Like, comment, and share. Let people know that I'm doing this. It does help tremendously. And also help my sponsors out. Take the world's smallest political quiz. Click that link that's in the description. Click it right there. Go check it out. Take that quiz. It takes about three to five minutes. It's very short, maybe two minutes probably. And then once you're done taking it, share it. It makes my sponsors very happy. If you say, Larry, I took it already. No worries. Sponsor yourself. Patreon.com slash Sharpway. Show me that you want me to keep doing this. You want to make sure that this show keeps going on. So throw 10 bucks a month at me. If you're making those big bucks, if you work for BlackRock, like Tony used to, you can throw me more, 25 or 100 bucks, because you got the big dollars if you're a BlackRock guy. If you're not a BlackRock person, no worries. 10 bucks is awesome. Why? If you look at our link tree, you see all the stuff we're doing. This is the book that's coming out next week. That I got to pay editors for that. Yeah, I do. I got to pay people for that. Absolutely. Right? So book coming out. I got the uh, the TikTok. I got the, uh, 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 hold on. I got the uh, the clips. I got all those YouTube channels. I got all that stuff. 
people do that, please help me out to the best of your ability. And if you say, Larry, I can't do any of that. Okay, no worries. Have you subscribed to the Shortway YouTube channel? If you haven't, why haven't you? Do you hate me that much? I'm good looking at least. Do that. Follow me on Twitter if you haven't done that. And of course, like the page on Facebook. It does matter. Please take care of that. I don't want to get canceled and have no place to go. One reason why I'm doing this stuff only on the Sharpway properties right now, it does matter. I appreciate it tremendously. I'm going to do a, a quick piece if I could. And this is going to be a quick part of what Ben Shapiro did. People talked about, he they talked about Shapiro on that one. And you'll see why they seem to be mad at Shapiro, what they were thinking. You'll recall people went over to Wall Street and started yelling at Wall Street. And it's like, why are you yelling at Wall Street? You should be yelling at Congress. Congress is answerable to you. This all comes down to government policy. Centralized, bureaucratic money decision-making is generally not a good idea with regard to this. Now, there are two parts of this. The second part I just said, on the money, correct. Yes, this is centralized. Yes, correct. The part he's not correct on or is exaggerating is, well, you can't yell at the companies. You can, because what happened after all this hooping, hollering, yelling, and screaming about the 1% and blah, 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 blah. The problem is they didn't have any actual demands. The one I was there. Literally, I was down there. I saw it happening. I live in New York City. I was still going to work. Um, I was still going to work um, in Manhattan at the time. So I saw it. I used to go downtown. I had clients down there. I'd go down there to eat so that I could spend my money downtown, like after 9-11. After 9-11, I would try to eat downtown all the time to start bringing money back down. And when all these guys were at, at Wall Street, it was trashing their businesses. So I was going down there trying to eat again. Same idea, right? I was trying to do that also. Um, so I remember they had no demands. They were literally doing like, you know, drum circles and snapping their fingers and they had no demands. They were like the 1%, you guys are evil. Where did 99%? Okay. What do you want? We don't know. But, and then what came in? Well, you don't like gay people, I think, or black people or something. And they went, okay. Oh, 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 you want that? Oh yeah. We'll be like super, we'll change like super sensitive stuff. We'll do that. Will I keep you happening? They're like, oh, they're responding to us. Sure, that'll work. So no actual change in policies. Too big to fail, still too big to fail. Putting mortgages and all those things into the market, still happening. None of that changed. Credit, still trashing you. None of that changed. Big, big data, none of that changed. You know what we're going to do? Sensitivity training. That's what we'll do. It's shifting the culture war. So Ben is, is correct in that the government part is true, but he's incorrect in saying you can't pressure the companies. You can. You just have to have a real message and know what the hell you want, like audit the Fed. That's a real message, right? Like don't put grandma's mortgage in the market. That's a real message. No mortgages in the market. That's a real message. If they would have had a message like that, Occupy Wall Street might have worked, but they didn't have one. So it wound up being sensitive training stuff. The United States is setting setting records for taxes, spending and deficits through May. According to CNS News, federal taxes hit a record two point six trillion dollars federal spending. This is distraction. He's correct. And has nothing to do with this. He's correct. Nothing to do with this. Climbed to four point six trillion dollars is October through May resulting in a federal deficit of $2 trillion. That's just October through May. Yes, agreed. Which is just an astonishing nothing. increase in the federal in deficit case. over the course of 
essentially half a year. This is this is why um, Crystal and Saga were upset with him because he used he had a, a good thing up front and then used distraction for the rest. Just said he did what the other person did too. Same thing. Left bad, other person bad. That's what he actually did versus having an actual. That answer. is wild stuff. Okay, now the predictable result of all of this is not just inflation. It's also, as I say, economic stagnation because when True. you remove money from the private sector and when you blow out the debt and thus blow out the value of savings, what you end up doing is making it more difficult for businesses to do anything. Years. Not just businesses. That's not really true. You make it more difficult for smaller businesses, individuals doing anything. But the larger businesses have permanent cash. They can still do stuff. That's the problem. Because, again, there are two problems. One is the inflation problem. And the second mm-hmm. is what happens if the federal government, the Federal Reserve, continues to pump money into the banks by issuing overnight rates that are zero or below zero, which encourages yep. banks to lend. 100%. And what if businesses look around, they go, wait a second, there's no there's no demand. Why are we borrowing? Yeah, but no, no, no. The, the, this part isn't 100% true. It's true, but there's a, there's a nuance here. Lower interest rates helps everybody to borrow money. The problem is the average American doesn't, you know, if they want to buy a large thing like a home, is going to compete with BlackRock and other places like that. So now both of them have an advantage to loan, I mean, to borrow, I'm sorry, to borrow, but BlackRock, because it has so much more money and so many more assets, is, does much better and also gets his money directly, right? The money comes almost directly to BlackRock. Now, where does the consumer do well? Locally, like buying a pair of shoes or some books. BlackRock is not going to compete for those pair of shoes or for those books. So what winds up happening is the individual is much more of a consumer buying goods and services and such that don't acu- accumulate that much wealth. Where the larger companies like the, the Black Rocks purchase a lot more things that accumulate wealth. That's what actually happens, right? If, if my interest rate's low, then I go off and use my credit card and I buy cool stuff. But I can't because no one's competing with me to buy. Well, some people are, but hardly anyone's competing with me to buy a pair of shoes that I like or whatever the case may be. Why exactly should I leverage up when the demand is not keeping up with my leverage? What? No, if, if there's free money, companies will take it. This also is incorrect. That's why they're buying big stuff. They're buying property or whatever the case may be. They're buying stuff. And what will happen often is they'll also buy other companies, massive mergers and acquisitions. They will. If you give companies free money, they will buy stuff. I don't know where he's coming. This one, he's not right. I don't know where he's coming from this one. They will buy stuff. If I borrow money, I'm not going to be able to pay back. It doesn't make any sense. And so we you, are seeing... Okay, it's permanent cash. You can pay it back. You have the money. It's fine. Both of these things come to pass. There's a reason that Joe Biden's budget, his $6 trillion garbage budget that he's pushing, there's a reason that it forecasts a 2% rate of growth for the next 10 years every year. And that is high. It will end up being below 2% if Joe Biden gets his way in terms of this economy. All right, I'm just going to go past it. Uh, this is he, he goes in the rant about stuff that doesn't have an answer, which is why they were mad at him. I'm not saying he's wrong in those things. A couple of things he was wrong, and I corrected a couple of things that he was incorrect with. What he was concerned about was what MTG was concerned about also, making the other look bad. What he was concerned about was just making the other look bad. He had no answer. And that's common with the right. The left has a bad answer or an answer of let's just use more government, and the right has no answer. It's a common problem. So people who feel things are okay go to the right and go, yeah, things are fine. Why are we fighting? Things are fine. People who are unhappy go, oh, maybe we should go to the left. They have an answer. And we get free stuff. All right. Nate says, regarding asbestos, regulation in states like New York make abatement instantly more expensive. 100% true. Yes, absolutely. 
um, which leads to more cheating and danger. The worst part is that the regs are nonsense. As soon as the abated asbestos is transported, it's regulated by DOT instead of DOL. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, interesting. Okay. That means straight to the transfer station where the, where the loadout runs over and pops bags and the, and the dust gets broadcasted with the wind. Ah. Nate, you just downer. I'm sure you're right, though. Yes. Desiree posts, education is not merely neglected in many of our schools today, but replaced to a great extent by ideological indoctrination. Thomas Owell. Yes. 100%. Yes. Absolutely. I, I see that constantly. It, 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 I see it my, my own daughters. I see it my own daughters. They, they're constantly trying to ask me for stuff, going to homework with me all the time. 100%. Yes. So, all right, guys, I hope this was interesting for you. Um, thank you so much for spending some time with me this evening. The awesome shortwave properties. Please follow all my shortwave properties. Please do that. It's important. I don't want to get uh, get, get uh, canceled off of my Larry Sharp stuff. So please jump on a shortwave. It helps tremendously. I'll be back here tomorrow evening, Wednesday evening, back here. I will talk to you all very soon.